and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Emma Azon Giacometti and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. TICT is the peak industry body for the tourism industry in our beautiful state of Tasmania. If you're a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. And if you're a first-time listener and you enjoy today's episode, there are now over 80 Talking Tourism conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts, or you can simply stream them on our website at tict.com.au. Today's episode is brought to you by our partner, Cumulus Studio. Cumulus Studio is an award-winning architecture and interior design practice with offices in Hobart, Launceston, Melbourne and Adelaide. Amongst its most notable Tasmanian tourism designs are the award-winning Cradle Mountain Visitor Centre and the iconic Pump House Point in Tassie's Central Highlands. Thanks to Cumulus Studio for their generous support of TICT and for helping to make this episode of Talking Tourism possible. Now today, we're going to be chatting with Thomasine Burnap. She's the Group Planning Director at BMF Australia, which is a national creative agency. And we're going to be talking to Tom about making the most of the off-season campaign. Tom is a Group Planning Director at BMF, one of Australia's most awarded advertising agencies and the people that came up with Come Down for Air, a marketing campaign that you're probably pretty familiar with. For the last two and a half years, she's worked with Tourism Tasmania on the strategic development of the brand, and one of Tom's jobs was to help plan the winter comm strategy for Tasmania. She was responsible for the insights that led to the development of the off-season idea, understanding how Australians see winter and winter holidays, and what the opportunity was for Tasmania in the market and how best to translate that opportunity into a communications idea that would drive visitation. And we're just on the cusp of launching the off-season campaign, which is why we're chatting with Tom today. So, Tom, it is wonderful to welcome you to Talking Tourism. Welcome. Thank you very much, Emma. It's lovely to be here and thank you for having me. You're so very welcome. And we're really excited to hear your insights on the off-season campaign, which I know you've had some involvement with not just this year, but previously. So, for those who've missed it or who might perhaps be new to the Tasmanian tourism industry, what is the off-season marketing campaign? Well, basically, as we know, in wintertime, things get a little bit quieter from a tourism point of view. So the off-season is really our winter campaign idea. And the intention behind it is to give a bit of a boost to visitation during that time when it, you know it's typically a little bit quieter or a little bit fewer people on the ground. So it's really um, a platform that we launched last year and the intention is that we'll be running it every year for the foreseeable future, Um, just changing it up a little bit every year to keep it fresh, but really start to build um, consideration of Tasmania as a winter holiday destination over time. And the off-season is kind of like the overarching idea underneath um, how we're going to do that. Okay, so it started last year. You're doing it again this year, which indicates Uh that there was some level of success last year, I suppose. Were you able to track that? And can you give us any insight into the success of the campaign last year? Well, the campaign was really well received, I think, by people on the ground. Um, We do do some brand tracking studies. The difficulty is, I think, that COVID has really 
I guess, tarnished how people behave during during this time. So it's really difficult to sort of isolate that from any other different results. But broadly, we can sort of see that the off-season is driving people in the right direction. So it's, it's getting people to think about Tasmania in the right way and driving consideration of it as, a, as somewhere they'd want to come during the winter months. Fantastic. What does it mean to think about Tasmania in the right way, particularly in the depths of those colder months of the year? Yeah, well, it, it's maybe worth sort of talking a little bit about how we came around to the idea of, of getting to the off-season. And when we started to work with Tourism Tasmania, I guess the brief was, well, how are we going to get more people to Tasmania in winter? And we started to think about, okay, well, what's the problem behind the problem here? So why is it that tourism tends to drop off a bit during winter? And and when we started to think about the problem, we kind of go, well, it's not so much that it's a thing about Tasmania. It's a kind of cultural insight that Australians and particularly those of us on the mainland kind of see winter as a bit of a the sort of poor cousin of summer. Mm. So if you think about Australian culture in general, it's very kind of summer centric. You know, we're all about the beaches and the weather and eating outdoors and enjoying the natural environment. And it's very much something that's, you know, it's all about all kind of built around summer. And so what we kind of found was that, you know, people tend to see winter, again, particularly in the mainland, in the sort of main metro areas like Sydney and Melbourne, as a kind of a bit of a non-event. You know, it's a time when we tend to sort of switch off Mm. and kind of veg out and rug up and, you know, not really nearly not really want to go out Um, and if we are going on holiday then maybe some of us might go skiing but actually you know a lot of us will just chase the sun somewhere else so you know at the at the heart of the issue was this kind of thing that you know Australians don't really see winter as something that we can embrace they sort of see it as something that we want to escape Mm. So we kind of, that was just the starting point and a kind of interesting insight. And then we married that together with some truth about Tasmania and go, well, you know what? In Tasmania, it's a little bit different because whereas, you know, in Sydney or Melbourne, we're just not built for winter. Tasmania actually is mm. built for winter. It's kind of, you know, it's somewhere where, they, where we do winter really properly. And it's also a time when we're absolutely the most different to the mainland as well. So, you know, all of these kind of interesting festivals, interesting foods, interesting experiences really come to the fore. And the contrast between Tasmania and the rest of the country is at its height in winter. Mm. So we sort of go, well, you know, there's there's a really interesting opportunity here because in winter – what we tend to do is switch off. But in Tasmania, what tends to happen is it's about switching on. Yeah. You know, it's kind of when the island comes alive. It's when Tasmania, it's most anti-ordinary, it's most unique, it's most eccentric, quirky, stimulating. So we kind of had this thought about showing that Tasmania could be a place where in winter is an opportunity to really wake up. 
Um, and the off season was was an, a, a, just an expression of that. So it was about sort of saying, look, yes, it has a double meaning. The off season means when it's not the peak season, but the off season in, in the context of Tasmania means it's the moment in time, the season when we're at our most off, our most unusual, our most unexpected and our most stimulating. And the idea was to kind of present Tasmania in that way as an opportunity to really do winter properly in a way that nowhere else in the country really can. I love that. I think, you know, we talk a lot about Tasmania having a a pretty unique value proposition, uh, particularly in contrast to the mainland all year round. Mm. But you're absolutely right. In winter, that's where it comes to the fore, doesn't it? And and really all those wonderful, wacky things about the island are celebrated most. and, And that's where we should be promoting what we can do and what we do do to the rest of the country and indeed the world. And and I guess that's exactly what Tourism Tasmania's role is going to be in this campaign in mm-hmm. promoting Tasmania generally to the rest of the country. What about if you're a Tasmanian tourism operator and you want mm-hmm. to leverage this campaign? What can you do to get involved? Well, we really, really encourage um all of our operators to get involved because the more of us that are that are creating different kinds of experiences for our visitors then the stronger this idea will become so it'll be a sort of self-perpetuating force mm. what we'd really like people to do is think about in the context of their business what can i do to offer my guests my visitors an experience which is a little bit off um, and in the context of this year, we're sort of defining that as three different things. So um, the first one is about, is there an experience that I can create which is creatively stimulating mm-hmm. in some way? So that could mean actually participating in terms of, you know, getting people to try out different things which which are creative or it could mean just kind of watching something or experiencing something. And that could be, you know, art, painting, music, dancing, cooking, you know, color, you name it, anything that, you know, could be considered creative. Can we, can you put on some kind of experience for your guests that would stimulate their imagination or encourage their self-expression? Because again, these are kind of parts of ourselves that in our, normal lives in the kind of routine in the in the what we call the straitjacket of modern life these are kind of parts of ourselves that don't get to come out and play that often yeah and coming down to Tasmania is an opportunity to sort of unleash those Mm. bits of ourselves and, and refuel our souls in a little bit of a way so the first the first kind of experience that we'd like people to think about is whether or not we can they can do something with you that's that's creatively stimulating um the the next type of experience we've kind of called wild revelry so again it's already part of if you think about all the different festivals and cool things there are to do in tasmania during winter it's very much leaning into that and kind of thinking well you know is there a way that you can let people kind of let off steam a bit sure and go a bit go a bit nuts yeah and that's that's obviously depending on you know your definition of world revelry very much depends on who you are clearly if you're you know you're 21 it's going to be quite different if you're 61 yes 
Um, but so it's open to interpretation there. But again, just think about, you know, can, can we let people kind of really join in and, and let off steam and celebrate a little bit? And then the third way is about seeking inspiration from nature. So again, this is really about a kind of active experience of nature. So not so much about looking at beautiful landscapes or sitting underneath a tree, or those things are awesome, but how actually interacting with nature kind of wakes you up a little bit. Mm. So that could be anything from some kind of epic mountain biking winter experience or it could be, you know, I know there are sort of like things like Wim Hof breathing experiences in forests or forest bathing or anything really that kind of uses nature to kind of wake yourself up and do something really stimulating in that way. So I guess we're asking um, operators if they can come up with an experience that they can offer their customers or their guests that falls into one of those buckets and that's just going to add to the strength of the idea so that our visitors have all these amazing experiences to choose from when they come down and visit us during those months. Fantastic. So let me see if I've, I've got that straight. The three key elements are around creative stimulation, wild revelry and inspiration from nature. Is that right? That's right. So it's very much it's, it's about an experience. We're not asking people to discount or give away freebies or anything like that necessarily. It's about kind of what can we add to the experience. Yeah, amazing. And I think those those core themes that you've listed off, they probably come um, quite naturally to a lot of our Tasmanian tourism operators. A lot of them are probably already, whether they know it or not, dabbling in exactly those sorts of key elements and themes with their experiences and products. So it could even be quite challenging for someone to hear those those elements listed off and think, oh, well, what else can I do? Could you provide a couple of examples of previous you know, successful offers or experiences or products that operators have used in perhaps last year's campaign that you saw were particularly successful in making the most of the off-season campaign? Sure. Well, to give you a couple of examples, I think um, – one operator was offering like pottery classes, the opportunity to kind of literally get your hands on the clay on the wheel and kind of have a crack at, at, at actually creating something. So that, I guess, really literally about helping people kind of just experiment with a uh, maybe a new experience creatively. So I know that that was one thing that was offered last year. Um, another um, operator offered a, an evening lantern tour to Sarah Island. Awesome. And again, yeah, so this was something I believe that they were kind of thinking about doing as, as something all year round, but it just gave them a bit of an opportunity to test the water a little bit by making it an offer during the off season. Yeah. And to see whether or not there was, you know, there was a demand for it or a success, a bit of a dry run. So, again, that was that fantastic. And that's, you know, really something that I believe was really successful. So it could, it, and I think that's the beauty of it. It's an opportunity to sort of see how far, you know, you can extend your offering. And that might end up being something that you offer permanently. It might be a real growth opportunity. Sure. And from what I understand, Tourism Tasmania is actually going to be supporting the promotion of these experiences. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's right. So so there is a process in terms of how we'll pull together the offers. And what t- Tourism Tasmania is, is asking people to submit their offers to them so that they can be kind of compiled and promoted. And the, the first step in that is to just email the team at t- Tourism Tasmania. And there's an email address, which is trade, T-R-A-D-E, at Tourism .tas.gov.au and have a bit of a chat with them. There is a toolkit. There is a process of submission that they'll be able to talk you through. And there's also a a webinar recording where we talk a little bit more in more detail about about the off-season and answer some of the the FAQs, if you like, and Mm. some of the queries that people had. And there's a recording of that so you can watch it back and just hopefully that'll help give you a bit more guidance on it. And before an operator reaches out um, using that email address, which we'll include in the show notes as well for those who are interested, is there anything, you know, if it was you, Tom, if you were a small tourism operator, maybe based in regional Tassie and you're listening to this podcast right now and thinking that's something I'd like to try and make the most of, where would you start to work out if the off-season campaign is right for you and how would you start thinking about how you could leverage it best? Sure. I mean, I would think about, first of all, I would think about, depending on what my business was, I'd think about which of those buckets do I probably most naturally fit into. Um, So whether it's creative stimulation or wild revelry or inspiration from nature. And then think about, okay, well, what's from a customer point of view, what would be kind of most interesting, most unexpected way to bring that to life? So again, not not necessarily about money off, but but what could I add to the experience that's going to be really interesting? And and then also just to kind of couch that by saying it really is something we know people have got businesses to run and lives mm. to leave, and it, and it's very much about making sure that you know it's feasible for you to do because we're not we're not expecting people to put in put on you know, put their lives on hold and create some kind of all singing or dancing thing that's, yeah. that's ending up bigger than Ben-Hur. So it's it's got to be feasible for you to do and something that kind of feels natural and relevant to your business and, you know, hopefully enjoyable. I guess the other the other thing that we that that we might suggest is particularly for smaller operators is whether or not they could collaborate with other operators in their area and put something together as a team, Great. you know, so to put together a little bit, a little experience, you know, either with, with people in their area. And that might be another way of sharing the load a little bit. Absolutely. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about what the off-season is, and you've also mentioned what it's not. It's it's not about taking a discount off an experience or stretching a business too far beyond its own means. Is there anything else that operators should keep in mind to sort of keep themselves within the parameters of what this campaign's all about in terms of what the off-season is not? As you said, it's not about money off, about just being weird for weird's sake. You know, it's kind of because we can all do that. <laughs> but, um, it's 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 about being weird in weird is fine, but kind of like meaningful weird, good mm. weird. You know, something as we've mentioned, those three buckets, something more in the unexpected kind of realm. So I think it's about it's not about asking people to overstretch themselves, and it's not just about being odd. 
you know it's something that's relevant to your business and and um and something that people are going to remember mm. but i think that's the thing it's just about keeping it positive um and relevant and doable yeah just enhancing that customer experience and i think coming back to those core themes as we've discussed most of them already exist within the Tasmanian tourism industry. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not going to be a, a huge stretch for a, a lot of operators to, I suppose, just maximise what they're already doing and make yeah. the most of a great campaign that's got a lot of oomph behind it as it is. So thank you so yeah. much for an amazing overview of the campaign, Tom. Uh, it sounds amazing and I've seen some of the imagery as well. I, I was part of the webinar earlier this week and definitely encourage our listeners to jump online and view the video of that webinar. You mentioned the email address. Is there a website that people can go to to find some more resources about the campaign? Just the the Tourism Tasmania website. Great. And navigate from there. And again, we'll put that information in the show notes for this episode. Tom, we can't let you go without asking the big seven questions. It's an initiative that we introduced to Talking Tourism that no one can escape and everyone is going to judge you by your answers. (laughs) So are you ready to get stuck into the big seven? I am indeed. All right, let's go. Number one, your favourite spot in Tasmania and why? It is Cradle Mountain for sure. One of the places that I first went to in Tasmania, I went with my mum and just the most stunning, beautiful, I was just jaw on the ground. What time awesome. of year like were you there? Set. I was there in summer, late spring, summer, and it was just fabulous. I oh, mean, you, just stunning. You'll need to come back down in winter and, and see what it's like in the off season as well, because it's pretty Absolutely. spectacular then too. What about your favourite tra- travel destination anywhere in the world? That is a really difficult one, but I am going to pick Tokyo. Great. Just pick. because they, they've just got a whole different perspective on the world. And I love the fact when you go to Tokyo, you literally don't know what's going on, not just because of the language, just because the way they think is so completely different to what we're used to in more Western cultures no idea what's going on. I kind of love that. Yeah, that culture shock. Yeah, really stimulating, really interesting, really lovely combination of history and really progressive culture, Mm. really kind of interesting avant-garde art scene as well. So, yeah. A great pick and delicious food as well. I'll I'll second that, that pick. What about if someone was coming to Tasmania for the first time in their lives and they ask you, what's one thing they must experience while they're here? What would you tell them? Again, this is, these, are really, these are really tough questions, but I would say wherever you go in the island, you're going to see amazing things. You're going to do amazing things. But actually my top tip would be to make sure that you actually spend some time talking to Tasmanians because, you know, the holiday is not just the place, it's the people, it's the culture, mm. and that comes across so much more richly when you actually speak to people. I mean, when I've visited, I've had fantastic conversations with people driving cabs, you know, people I've just met incidentally, and it all just really adds to the feeling of what Tasmania is about. It's so, so true. I would say... Just make sure you speak to some Tasmanians while you're there. Obviously, you, know, you probably will be anyway, but just having the time to 
to have conversations with people is an absolute joy. Great advice. Let's say you're walking the overland track. It takes five days. You get to take three people with you. Anyone in the world, famous, not living or dead, who would you take? And I've got, I've got how many people? I've got three You've to got choose. You've got three. I've got three. Well, the first, I would take Louis Theroux, who is a, a documentary maker. Um, and I probably, I fangirl a bit on him, to be honest. So I probably, he'd be the answer to almost any of these type of questions. So I'd take him because he's really sort of interesting and empathetic and seems like a really nice man. You'd want somebody that was sort of knew something about the natural world so I'd probably, I mean, I was thinking about David Attenborough, but he's like nearly 90. He could so that's probably a bit of a, still you know, do it. I don't know. I think we might have to sort of put him in a helicopter or something, <laughs> having, having with a megaphone so that he can sort of tell us about what's going on and sort of track us so that we, yeah, we don't we don't send him over the edge. But yeah, maybe David Attenborough in some form or, you know, if, or Steve Irwin if we're, you know, if we're allowed to have people no longer. We are, or, absolutely. You know, somebody that knows what I'm looking at in much more detail. And then I'd probably have like Magda Sabansky. Um, yeah, the third person would probably be Magda Sabansky just because I think she'd be funny and she'd be great company to have along. So, yeah, it would be Louis, David and Magda and myself. With one possibly from the air. From a the great air. gang. What I a love team. it. Then you've got to jump in the car, of course, and get to your next destination. So you're road tripping. What are you going to be listening to in the car? Yeah, well, I feel sorry for anybody in the car with me if I'm allowed control of the music. But I would probably go, I'm quite, you know, I'm probably quite partial to a bit of 90s Britpop. And recently I've also started to listen to opera, which sounds quite pretentious. But i kind of getting into it. But, you know, definitely not everyone's cup of tea. So, What a contrast know, too. Right? But it's good. Keep it eclectic. We like it. When you arrive at your destination, what is your, going to be your tipple of choice? Some Tassie bubbles for sure. I, I read somewhere I recently that. they're like they're giving champagne, proper French champagne a run for their money. So, oh, no doubt. Have been for yeah. years. I'll back that. Absolutely. And the last big question for you, Tom, it's the big debate and hopefully you can weigh in here given you're not actually on Tasmanian soil. Curried Tasmanian scallops, are they a culinary delight or a culinary crime? I've not actually ever had them, I've got to confess, but I definitely would. So I'm going to vote for delight just because oh, I think that's I don't know is that a very um I, I think it is a little bit and uh, mainly because I sit on the other side so it's probably not really fair for me to have an opinion there <laughs> but let's go with a delight for you and give it a vote from from your end Tom it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today thank you so much for these incredible and key insights into the upcoming the off season campaign uh, particularly for our tourism operators down here in Tassie and thank you to our listeners for listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism. Please remember to subscribe so you can hear more episodes as we release them every two weeks or so. And also remember to tell a friend or a tourism colleague to check out our podcasts. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania and today's episode was brought to you with the support of our partner, Cumulus Studio. A big thanks also to Caleb Miller at Mac40, our audio specialist who produces these episodes. 
I'm your host, Emma Azon Giacometti, and I'll look forward to catching up next time. 